Let's pray. Our Father, we do teach, uh, pray that you would teach us to put our hope in your Son, Jesus Christ, and in doing so, to know your salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about putting your hope in God. Welcome to Advent, four Sundays before Christmas. Four Sundays to meditate on the Christian life as it's lived in the light of the coming of Christ. This year, what I want to do is four sermons inspired by the Advent wreath. This uh, We've lit one candle of the next... Well, there's five there, one for Christmas, as well as the four Sundays of Advent. And although I must confess I'm really not one for candles myself, I thought I would take the, the symbolism of the candles and use them to work through Advent. So today the theme is hope, and you may have noticed that. The, uh, the verse we read as the first Advent candle was lit was, We wait in hope for the Lord. And so today I want to talk about hoping in God. Then we'll go to peace with God, joy in God, and love for God. And in particular, I want us to think about these things, uh, hope, peace, joy, and love, as qualities of soul that we might cultivate in ourselves, as gifts of God that we might incorporate more fully into our hearts and into our lives. And this can be our Advent discipline, if you like, thinking about how can we become people who do hope more deeply in God, who do know more deeply peace with God, who do rejoice more fully in God, who do love God more dearly. Today, hope. Hope is the expectation we may have of some future good thing. The happy expectation we may have that some future good thing is coming to us. What's on your Christmas list? We in our house have Christmas lists. They're on the fridge. And one of the things on my Christmas list is an Audible subscription. Uh, Audible is a service you can download audiobooks. And I've kind of got into audiobooks. Uh, but the uh, Borrow Box Library, which Western Suburbs Library kindly makes available, doesn't have all the titles I want to listen to. And so I hope I get an Audible subscription for Christmas. But actually, I have no confidence that I will get it. Because, you know, I've put an Audible subscription on my Christmas list a couple of times before, and nobody has ever seen fit to choose that thing to give to me. My hope is just a wish. I hope I get it means I wish I would get it, but I have no real confident expectation that I will get it. Now, this is not the sort of hope I want to talk about. This is not the sort of hope that Christians have when we say we hope in the Lord. I want to talk about a different meaning of hope. Not wish hope, but rather hope that is based on some foundation for confidence. Now, suppose Michelle said to me, 
I'm going to get you that Audible subscription for Christmas. Well, it may spoil the surprise of Christmas, but it would change the nature of my hope. My hope would now have a foundation. It would be founded on Michelle's word and her invariable faithfulness to her word. My hope for that Audible subscription is now really hope in Michelle and in her promise to me. And now my hope looks more like waiting than wishing. This is the sort of hope that Christians have in God. Hope that is based on God's character and God's promise. It's confident hope rather than wishful but uncertain hope. Now what hope can human beings have in God? And what does it look like to put our hope in God? Let's turn to Psalm 130 to discover more. And that's in your insert. Psalm 130, one way to to read this is, it's the unfolding story of putting your hope in God. Let's follow the story in a few stages. Firstly, finding yourself in the depths and crying out to God. The psalm opens, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Now, the depths that we might find ourselves in and cry out to the Lord from might be all kinds of troubles in our lives. And the Psalms touch on sickness, depression, the threat of enemies. This Psalm is concerned with the depths of guilt. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? The psalmist has some guilt on their conscience, their mind, their heart, and they think, the record of sins that piles up against me means I cannot stand, just as we all cannot stand before God. Now, our culture has a problem with guilt. What I mean is that our culture resists the idea that we are guilty of sin and that we might feel guilty for that sin. Guilt is supposed to be some medieval hangover, the unhappy effect of still believing in a God who judges sin. And we're supposed to leave our guilt behind. Forgive yourself. Accept yourself. You're not a sinner. There are voices out there saying those things. And yet, at the same time, this very same culture loads guilt on us non-stop. There are so many things we should be doing or not doing. We should be reducing our carbon footprints, refusing plastic to save the oceans, examining the supply chains of everything we buy to avoid supporting slavery. We need to be checking our privilege, whether we're male or white or educated or whatever. We have to be the change the world needs. And when we fail to be that change, well, that's no good, is it? And how do we feel about that? We feel guilty because our culture both says you shouldn't feel guilty and then loads guilt on us. Despite our culture's unwillingness to feel and to confess guilt, 
to own our own mistakes, to acknowledge our own uneasiness with ourselves, it remains true, Lord, if you kept a record of sins, O Lord, who would stand? And we feel that at times. So is there hope for us who are sunk beneath a weight of inadequacy and guilt? There is. Verse 4. But with you, Lord, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. The world out there is not going to offer you forgiveness. If you screw up, if you do something foolish or disgraceful or forbidden, then it's most likely that you'll be avoided. You'll be dropped. You'll be considered kind of radioactive. It's not clear whether there is forgiveness or redemption available to you. But with God, there is forgiveness. There is a way back. There is redemption. There is the possibility of being accepted and taking once again a useful and honoured place. And this is the next stage of putting our hope in God. It's hearing his word and knowing his nature. Verse 4, with you there is forgiveness. Or verse 7, with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. This is demonstrated in the coming of Jesus Christ. His birth as one of us, we are remembering at Christmas. His death on the cross for our sins, we will remember today in communion. His resurrection, the sign and the first fruits of our full redemption, that here is a human being glorified as we can be. For redemption is more than the forgiveness of sins. It's also the transformation of the whole creation. If we look now at Romans 8, I want to kind of dip into the epistle as well, and verse 10, what is it? Uh, 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, that's God, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And this liberation from bondage to decay includes the redemption of our bodies, mentioned later in the passage. And Christ's resurrection gives a preview of this, an imperishable life in a healed world. Now this, this is a wild, bold hope. This is a completely out-of-the-box hope that defies our experience and our intuition about what's possible or what's likely given our experience of ordinary life. And to the extent that we find ourselves capable of holding on to such a hope as that, the hope of forgiveness, of redemption, of resurrection, to to the extent we find ourselves capable of hoping in such a thing, it's based on God. It's based on God's word, his power, his promise. Jesus said, I and the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. In this word, in the one who spoke it, we put our hope. 
And so once we put our hope in God, the next stage of putting your hope in the Lord is, is waiting. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Hoping in the Lord is waiting for the Lord. And this waiting is on the one hand, it's eager expectation. Romans 8.23, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. That is, Christian hope energises the hoper. It buoys them up. It focuses them on what is to come. It engages us with God. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Is this something that you can develop in your life, this waiting? Can you intensify your hope in God, your waiting on God? By habits of prayer, of remembrance of what God has done, will do, of meditation upon God and the word of his promises. There are certainly things that can prevent us hoping in the Lord. We might be drawn away to put our hope in other places, to put our hope for good things in our future to come from ourselves from our wealth, our plans, our work, our travels, our friends, and not from God. We might distract us from our need for hope. We might think, don't worry about the future. Enjoy the present moment. And so we immerse ourselves in work or in planning the next holiday or in YouTube or playing golf or getting drunk or doing our renovations, whatever it is that will, will focus us on the here and now. We, we push the question of hope and the future away. Now we do need to deal with the present and it's not wrong to attend to the business of ordinary life. But if it squeezes out waiting for the Lord, if it squeezes out eager anticipation of his coming, then we are going to drift and our Christian lives will become shallow and impoverished. And so can I encourage us all to cultivate hope and expectation, to wait for the Lord and to seek to wait for the Lord as the psalmist does with our whole being. This waiting is eager expectation that buoys us up and energises us, but this waiting is also patience. This waiting can endure quietly through the night hours. Verse 6 of Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. And if you can imagine being the watchman waiting for the morning, the hours before dawn are cold and dark. And they creep by slowly and they require a certain kind of tough endurance in waiting, in perseverance, in patience. And this is true also in Romans 8, verse 23. 
We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. In verse 25, if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it with endurance and perseverance. So let me ask, does your hope in God have this quality of patience? Can you put up with the not having what you hope for from God? Can you go on undiscouraged, quietly persevering, even when the night is dark, the air is cold, and dawn, light, warmth and day are they're not even visible yet on the horizon. Sometimes life is like this. In fact, perhaps it always is like this at some level. That like all creation, our lives are subject to frustration and in bondage to decay and groaning in that state. Our plans fail. Our efforts come to less than we wish them to. Limits are imposed upon us. Our own decisions reveal themselves to have been mistakes that we must live with. We do not have the freedom and glory of the children of God yet. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There is a freedom and a glory For the children of God that will be revealed, that those who trust in Christ will possess forever, imperishably. If we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Christians put their hope in the Lord. It's not an uncertain wish for good things that maybe God will give us. It's a hope with a basis, the promise of God, the power of God, the character of God. This is all made visible in Jesus Christ, in his death for us, his resurrection to new life, the foretaste of our hope. And our hope means both eager expectation and patient waiting. One last thing. Hope is something we can foster in others as well as in ourselves. Like the psalmist, we can say to someone else, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. So that's the last thing we might do is not just foster hope in ourselves, but seek to help fostering it in others. Let's pray. Lord, out of depths we cry to you often that you might hear our voice and listen to our cry for mercy. We thank you that With you there is unfailing love and with you there is full redemption. There is the promise that you will redeem us from all our sins. Teach us to put our hope in you. To wait with eager expectation and also with enduring patience. And teach us, Lord, how to encourage others to put their hope in you too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.